Hello and welcome back to We Not Me, the podcast where we explore how humans connect to get stuff done together. I'm Dan Hammond. And I am Pia Lee. How the devil are you, Pia, and how is your podcasting life? Oh, it's very exciting. I do have some um, some flashbacks coming back. Uh, these great conversations. I've been thinking about things and experiences over the years. Um, anything prompted your flashbacks or um, Actually, it's funny you know, you wake, that, up, wake up yeah, in the night? <laughs> sort of in a hot sort of fever dream and a cold sweat. Mm. Um, yeah, it's funny you say that because these... It's really interesting because I came into this thinking how different teams are. And I think that's one of the reasons why they're so challenging is that they are so different because individuals are different. You put them together and you've got that sort of difference multiplied or whatever. But actually, I'm seeing some themes and certainly some things are dredging up some old teams that I've been in, uh, both positive memories and the other kind, I would say. Oh, can you tell us? Can you tell us about the other kind? Well, the one that I came this is probably my worst team experience. I, I um I volunteered to um my, my my daughter was in a band in the primary school in Australia and and I volunteered to to run the run the band program, including running a legendary band camp, as in at once at band camp. Um but oh. it, what I went into this and I realised that in, it just went a little bit wrong because when I when I joined the previous year and it was being run by someone else, I noticed there was about twenty five people sitting around drinking wine and it was te- the meetings were really long and I thought that wasn't one person doing all the work and twenty five people drinking wine. Or was well, that- there was there was there was a bit of that. There was a little bit of that, but, but people would take little bits. But but I you know I I was doing a lot of travelling. I, I had a, I was working, so I wanted to keep it efficient and make sure that we delivered a great experience for the for the kids yeah. so you know had my purpose intact i got into it and started to bring the team down to a smaller unit volunteers but didn't go out to the broader group and um i got absolutely slammed for Oof. excluding people apparently i was being exclusive and um and in that time i was told to f off twice um <laughs> so as a, is, as a team leader is, it's, it's quite effective feedback that i i would be saying that they're trying to <laughs> communicate something there was, to there, you there, there, there was some it's not working subtle so well. message lying in there but it definitely made me realise that we that we had our purposes were misaligned. People did want this thing to be slightly different from my vision for it. And I probably um, waded in there with my uh, size ten boots without really checking in what was uh, what was required of the team. And we make an assumption around that, don't we? That we, we you know, and it's an easy mistake. I think we've all done one of those. But I think it just raises a really good point about getting your head and your heart aligned and that's actually going to be a big part of our topic today we are so lucky to have lucy hovenek who is a friend an ex-colleague and an incredibly talented in her own right and with a long track record for all the things that she's achieved and what we've really wanted to talk to her about is understanding the purpose and the nature of it and then how it aligns with the things that you actually do in terms of the toolkit that you use for leadership. 
Lucy Hovenek. Welcome to the show. Great to have you here. And um, let's start with the full disclosure. Uh, we have known each other for some time. I think it's nearly uh, 20 years. Uh, I, of course, was in my 30s and you were 16. No, I think you're a little older than that. <laughs> I was young, yes. Thank you, Pia. Thank you. You were Dan. young, young and impressionable, and so we'll, we'll scoot past those um, those early UK days. Let's. Um, I actually wanted to start. Um, I've got one of these, you know, freeze frame memories in my mind, which is uh, your Edgecliff flat. You're at twenty five. I've been working in LIW as a leadership consultant for some time, and we were having a conversation about direction purpose, vision, and we did an exercise together and um, using some of these little vision cards. And it was really quite, it it just sticks in my mind over all of these years when your vision and your purpose landed. It, you know, it's, it was, I, I could feel it. What was it like for you? Was it, you're not going to tell me it was oh, awful, but one of the worst <laughs> nights of my life. No, I'm just joking, Pia. It was. Um, it actually that night still sticks in my memory as the the night that my life fundamentally changed. And I'm not saying that because you've asked me to. I'm saying that because I genuinely that was the night my life changed, and something a light went on inside of me that had not been on for a long, long time. So you took me through a. It was about took us about three hours, I think, maybe with a glass of wine where you really yeah, kicked my tyres around three, three questions you asked me. The first question you asked was, what, what is your purpose? And that was really around what, I think some of the words you used were what, you know, if you were a, if you're a perfume, how would we bottle you? What would that essence look like? Uh, and I think, actually, I, I really distinctly remember us talking through Spike Milligan's purpose and how on his uh, gravestone it says, I told you I was sick. And I think that personifies his purpose was just he from the grave, he's still making people laugh. But that's not my purpose. Uh, that, that's it. That was his. But th- that was your way of describing it. And then you asked me the question, what are your values? And they are the, the tenets by which you live your life, your non-negotiables. And we got really clear about those, which are laughter, realness, discovery and passion for me. Uh, and then we got clear about the vision too. And that was where do you want to be in the next few years? Uh, and for me, that was really around being a leader, uh, being somewhere foreign from memory. I think it was a it was a strange little gentleman with a funny hat on that was in the picture. But um, yeah, it could be interpreted in any way that you want. But he is a gherkin man. He regularly turns up. <laughs> he does. He does actually he turned up in my life afterwards. But anyway, that's a different story. So and coming back to the purpose though, and that that essence of of who I was, and I got very very clear. And I think we nailed the statement there. I don't know whether you want to talk about what what that purpose was. Maybe we can talk about that as we go. Well, before we do that, I think what's really interesting here is is that we're really encouraged to get academic qualifications, to work really hard in you know in organisation, work up this sort of corporate career, and this is quite a different route. You know, you'd done a lot of those those things. You were perfectly capable you got great credentials but there was something missing and so this is kind of working from the heart inside out so I I remember when you landed on I I want to be a pioneer that that really impacted me and you feel it it's like when you hit a purpose it's like the sweet spot on a tennis racket it's effortless it's real and you've kind of found it. 
Was that what it was like for you? Oh, no, no question. And I think, you know, I, I've just taken on a, a massive new role in my company and, and I drew very heavily on my purpose of, of exactly that word, pioneer. And, and I was actually trying to weigh up in my head whether I should even go for this job. And pioneering is what kept coming back to me and, and got stronger and stronger as my, you know, the application date got nearer and nearer. And, and that was the thing that really forced me to, to, to apply for it because it was, it is a pioneering role. And I feel that that's, that's my purpose in life is to be, is to be a pioneer and also to inspire others to be pioneers. And I think, sorry, coming back to your point around CVs, I mean, gosh, if you'd looked at my CV at that time, my soul was dying in investment bank. And that's no offense to anyone in investment banking. If your purpose is around that, then go for it. But I know mine wasn't. And I'm sure the people I was working with actually would agree with me, but yeah, it just wasn't, it wasn't aligned to, to have that moment of clarity around who I was on this earth was phenomenal. Uh, it was a big change and it, yeah, really helped me to stop thinking about my CV and, and my lack of whatever experience in the background, but to really focus on what I can be in alignment with that purpose into the future. I must say, whenever I think about you, the word pioneer pops up in my head as well. But um, how has how has this sort of clar- personal clarity helped you engaging with teams and things that you've done? So I think it's really helped uh, in terms of me then helping others get clear about their purpose uh, individually, but also their purpose within a team. Um, so my career uh, led me to it, working with both you, Dan, and you, Pia. And I was working with um, groups of people Oof, in different different projects across different. Co- I mean, far out. Any more pioneering work with? Could you just Dan, stop there? <laughs> I couldn't have my purpose on paper. No, but I, I yeah, the, the, I was working with groups of people, and we had to ensure that their purpose aligned to the projects we're working on, the countries we're working in, the people that we were going to be working with, uh, and I think. That actually, when we're talking about high-performing teams, I my observation of having worked in high-performing teams and not high-performing teams is actually when you are aligned to that greater purpose, and I'm talking at a team level, because you can do this process at the team level just as much as you can do it at an individual level, uh, but the power of doing it at that team level means there is full alignment and that people are... Um, are really clear about why that team actually exists and what it's trying to achieve achieve together. So, you know, our, our groups that would go over to Tanzania, for example, and work with the Tanzanian government, I mean, there was very much an alignment of understanding that in uh, the Vision 2020 um, for cascading leadership across the country, that we were aligned to that. And our job was to unlock leadership capability across the government through those leadership programs. Um, so I think purpose, whilst that situation was individual, it absolutely can bring to life or breathe life into teams. We used to do an exercise, didn't we, Lucy, called Life Maps. And that, again, and Dan, you were involved in this as well. And and in Tanzania, it it was, and we, we worked there for eight years with the most extraordinary people. That was life-changing, just the, the whole experience. But doing those exercises around life maps where you're charting all the different experiences that you've had in life and how that has informed, you know, what your purpose is, what drives you and how you're impacting others through that. Yeah, I think we were, we were witness to some pretty amazing people and stories oh, God, i'll never forget the the uh i won't say his name because he might be listening but uh there was a gentleman there and i remember him saying that he was from a family of 40 
and I'm a 25-year-old white Anglo-Saxon Aussie woman coming in knowing, hang on a second, sorry, did you say four? And he said, no, 40. And I said, oh, 14. And we literally wrote one four up on that. And he said, no. And he ran up and changed it and wrote four zero. And, and uh, yeah, that to me, it, and I said, 40. And he said, yes. You know, my, I had um, a father who had many, many wives and uh, many, many children. And I think that actually, again, told me when we're bringing a team of people into a, a different culture, for example, how how clear you need to need to be around what you're bringing into that conversation and any preconceived ideas or uh, your own values that may be different to someone else's values to be really cognizant of that. Know who you are, know who you're bringing into the team and then also know who you're bringing into a cultural context that's very different to yours. I must say that my abiding memory of that, that life maps exercise in Tanzania was how littered the life maps were with little crosses which symbolized sort of deaths that people had along the way and you realize whoa how privileged um we all are to have so few of those actually relatively but so lucy this pioneering spirit where just um, tell our listener a little bit about the journey that sort of took you on where where, in terms of your sort of life journey and the teams you've worked in just give us a little vignette of that could you Sure. So, so vignette. I've, I've been very privileged to, um, uh, after working with you two, no, just joking, to work with you two and to be working into East Africa, into Germany. I remember standing watching the band go past with um, the Schutzenfest, thinking Karakis, with with a group of Australians working into Germany um, and running um, leadership programs over there. Uh, I've uh, worked into the US with um, highly technical teams, trying to teach them about emotional intelligence. That was um, incredible experience. And then my career uh, sort of changed paths and I decided I wanted to head into international development, um, pure international development, so full-time. And that saw a massive cultural move from Sydney to Adelaide, actually, which was a big, a big difference. But um, heading into a team... That was international and then again heading all over the world, mainly Southeast Asia and across the Pacific, where we were trying to land business and win work and again engage with teams on a very um, short-term basis initially to set them up for very long projects, sort of three, four, five-year projects. And from there, I then took off to Cambodia and, and immersed myself in the Cambodian culture for a year or the Khmer culture for for just under a year, actually, and, and worked across Myanmar uh, into Timor, actually, and and um, worked with lots of different teams in the UK, Sweden, Japan, of all places, um, from Cambodia. So I realised that the organisation I was working for had this incredible network that I tapped into. And then we ended up back in Canberra. So now working in Canberra across multiple, again, multiple teams. And I was thinking about this a few days ago, is that any day can go past where I'm working into five, six, sometimes seven different teams from different cultures, from different generations, from different backgrounds, from, yeah, just different international settings and from, from a diversity inclusion perspective, just multifaceted and, and fascinating. I think that was the question that came to me as you were walking through that. How, incredibly varied, intergenerational, intercultural, international, all the inters. How do you sort of, how do you not become sort of untethered in that situation? You know, there is everything seems, must be, sounds like everything's new. How do you actually add value um, in those, in those new situations constantly? How, how do you go about that? I have no idea. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, maybe you don't. <laughs> 
we'll end there, I'm shall we? I'm not entirely we? sure why you're interviewing me. Uh, yes. <laughs> no, the, the, I think the, the thing I have learnt is that leadership, there, there are really um, two components. I think one, one we've really touched on, which is the knowing, knowing yourself and being really clear about who you are, what you stand for and, and what you want. So that purpose, vision and values uh, side of things. But I think to build on that, that's really great to know that. But unless you are going to add any value through that process, you're probably useless. But the other part is around building up your toolkit of leadership tools. And I think knowing how to arrive into a very foreign uh, country, a foreign team, a foreign group of people that you may need to have a high impact on very, very quickly I think applying some of those tools I've learnt throughout um, throughout my time, I'm applying the tools I learnt 20 years ago every day, every single day, and happy to share some of those tools because they're really simple uh, but not often used. I think that'll be useful. What's what, what do you reach for first, Luce? Sure. So the first one I really go to is the is that question of when when we're all in the detail and everyone's sort of waiting in the weeds, myself included, and just to suddenly stop and ask yourself that that first question of what is it we're actually trying to achieve and why? And actually, this this toolkit is called the three W's. So there's three W questions with, with W starting at the front of them, funnily enough. but Strangely enough. Yeah, yeah. The first one is what are you trying to achieve and why? And that, I think, you know, my experience, they're just everyone just stops and takes a couple of deep breaths and says, well, hang on a second, you're right. What are we all trying to achieve together? And, and actually, that can also flesh out where there is a lack of clarity around, well, hang on, I thought we were achieving this. Well, no, I thought we were achieving that. So, they suddenly you realise there's not alignment until, in, in what we're actually trying to achieve. So, that's great. A great leveller. Um, and then I think the second question is, where are we now? And that's, that's what's the current situation? What's working? What's not? And then that third question of saying, what next? And that really says, how do we, how do we take ourselves from where we are right now in this moment to where we want to get to. What are the actions we need to take? So it's very action-oriented. Uh, it's not a na- navel-gazing, let's have another conversation about this. It's it's what are the three things we're going to do in order to get to that that first W of what are we trying to achieve and why. And I think what's interesting about that is it's a little bit like the purpose. <clears throat> we talked about the CV. This This blows a myth that the leader of a team needs to know all the answers because actually what you've asked is three really good questions and then you're drawing out that knowledge and insight and opinions from the team and I guess they get attuned to knowing that you're going to ask curly questions and you're going to you, there is an expectation they're going to contribute but you're actually building up their capacity and their muscle power by doing that. Is that how it lands? Absolutely and, and this is not about me as the leader having the answer it's about me creating the right conditions that other people can come up with that answer. And um, I'm certainly experiencing that at the moment um, in my new role. I certainly don't have all the answers. Um, And this is a great tool tool and very practical to use. I think one of the beautiful things, I've got a a mentee and it's the wrong word to use because I think she teaches me just as much as I teach her actually. And I love it. It's a two-way street with um, this wonderful person. And she uh, often comes to me saying, I've I've answered the first question, the W1 question. I've answered the W2 question. I just want to talk to you about the W3. So she has very much, oh, here, here, what, here are the answers that I think they are, but I'd just like to kick your tyres on that. So it actually saves a lot of time. I think when people start using that tool themselves, um, it's less about the problem sitting on the leader's shoulders and it's actually um, the whole team engaging in the process. 
Fantastic. What else, what else is in the in the grab bag for you when you're in these unusual situations? <laughs> yes, I'm just opening it now, having this look-see. Have uh, look. I yes. think there, there are actually two other tools I do want to talk about. One, The first one, is, or, the, or the second one, so the first one we've spoken about is three Ws. The other one is really around creating the right conditions for success. And, and the way I use this is actually usually as a temperature check for my own leadership. I'm going to use an example that comes to mind in, in a, uh, a country that I won't talk about, uh, won't name, but it's a developing country uh, that we went into and we were over to, taking over from a project up there, which is a very important project. And uh, we uncovered that there was a distinct lack of clarity around what the team was trying to achieve. So team had no idea. They're just ticking along. We've done this for years. This is where we always do it. We don't really know what we're trying to achieve and off we go. So it was about stepping back and saying, hang on, what is this team trying to achieve in this massive, massive project? The second thing we did was really assess the climate, really. What, what, what's the temperature gauge and what was happening in that particular team? And I think what we discovered was possibly, and this is a bit serious, but possibly one of the most horrific things I've ever seen in terms of racism to the point where we brought our, one of our global heads, sectoral heads, he was with me on this trip and he and I both sat at the table and, and, and shed tears with this team of nationals who had said that they had been experiencing horrible racism for years and years and years. And that talks to climate and it talks to the culture that had been set up within that team. So needless to say, that team leader went elsewhere. But the third area we looked at was competence, and we uncovered that this, we had this incredibly, amazingly skilled team of, of nationals who just were not having their um, needs met, but also their potential unlocked. They had incredible knowledge and skill, but their behaviour and attitude had been really impacted by the culture uh, that the leader had set, really, or by the behaviour and attitude of that leader so that, that was a great temperature check for me and we made a lot of changes as a result of that and a few people went elsewhere as a result and we brought in fresh blood who were really clear, who set the right direction in terms of culture and had the right behaviour and attitude and knowledge and skill in order to um, take that team to the next level and they're absolutely thriving today. So that's the second toolkit. Yes, or second piece from the grab bag, if you like. And then the third the third one is um, is really around feedback and that's that's around being able to have and I think it was Dr. Jess was in the house and she's talking about psychological safety, and and I loved that um, that it's not about being nice and it's not about being kind. It's about uh, addressing addressing the issues and and actually being able to have front on conversations, but being safe, being feel, feeling safe to be able to do so. And I think feedback, the tool that I use, is really around the you know example, impact, and change. So sharing an example with someone around what they had done and not done. Uh, very well, or the opposite. They've done really, really well. Asking them what the impact was, asking them how they're going to change or continue. Um, so that's another tool that I use pretty much on a daily basis. And because I'm using it and have taught other people to use it, they also use it on me. So it's a it's a constant. Yeah, you get loads of feedback. Way. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which, which is not always welcome. But uh... <laughs> yeah, I've never mentioned it to Dan at all. <laughs> no, not at all. No. But it's interesting, Luce. You mentioned this about. I mean, everything you're talking about is, and I, I'm wondering whether. Listeners are thinking, oh, this is sort of like inside out. So, you know, I've got to know, I've got to know my own direction rather than just telling everyone what to do. And I've got to be able to develop these skills by asking the right questions. And then instead of feeling everything is my responsibility, I've just got to create the right conditions. So there are a different view of what leadership is. What's the benefit though? Like, what's the benefit? of knowing your own internal compass 
and then being able to use these tools in a variety of situations, what's the benefit for both the leader and the team that you've seen? Well, I think it's it's shared leadership fundamentally. Uh, um, you are empowering your people to be the best people they can be. You're going to have buy-in. You're going to have people excited about coming to work. I wake up each day and, and hand on heart, I can say I don't feel like I have a job. It, it feels just so right what I'm doing. Sure, there's late late nights and long hours and and hardness, but it doesn't feel like a job in the sense that I feel like I'm doing what I was meant to be doing. And I know with my team members, particularly in, in my past team, that, that they feel the same. So that they're empowered to know who they are, know what their values are, know what their purpose is, know what their vision is, but then to act on that and al- make sure that they're in alignment with the team groove. So I think that the vibe of the team is very can be very upbeat and high-performing when you have a group of people who are really clear about who they are and, and what they're trying to achieve individually but also together. And I think that's it. You save a lot of time. You cut through. There's a lot of you know radical candor and a lot of conversations that are very direct, which if you're not okay in yourself can, can be highly offensive and can create a lot of drama. But I think you cut all of that out by being really clear and by being able to have those conversations. I've been doing some work with teams in the past around personal purpose and you've then got the purpose of the team and the organization. How do you navigate that when someone, sometimes we're challenged to say, it doesn't matter about the individual purpose, they have to align to the organizational purpose or whatever. How do you deal with that, if you like, that alignment piece of allowing people, making sure that the sort of personal purpose is definitely lived, but also they do have a role, don't they, that within a team or within an organization? How have you navigated that sort of tension? Oh, dear. Well, I, I think my observation is if your individual purpose is not aligned to the organizational purpose, then you shouldn't be working there and it actually doesn't work out. That's when a lot of friction happens, so when a lot of tension in teams happen and, and you see deep unhappiness in that person. Now, if that person's super mature, they'll be able to see that difference and kind of go, oh, I don't fit here anymore. I might need to move on. But if they're not, then then that makes it tricky. Uh, and I think, you know, I've had certainly had a lot of situations in the last 10 years, really, of really having those conversations with people around what is it you're actually trying to achieve yourself? Because this is what the business is trying to achieve and those two don't seem to be crossing over. And I think, you know, frankly, if I think back on our time together, I think we came to a point where my individual vision and and the business's individual vision were different. And that was powerful because I think it was time to navigate in a different direction. Um, And I don't think there's anything, there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's the beauty and, and we all stayed friends through the process and we're all thriving in our own right. So... Isn't it Sting that said if you love someone, you set them free? Set them free. Set them free? Was, that, was that right? You know, but I think too there is that because otherwise you're doing it for a, a personal basis, not for the other person and to make them actually continue delivering their impact. But I think the ability is to be able to talk about it. Our journeys are varied. And, and I would probably say that everything you've talked about, Lou, applies to our personal lives and all the challenges we've all faced we haven't got here completely unscarred and you need to have that central compass to enable you to overcome some of those adverse situations and keep going i think you're right Pierre, and i think this is where the sort of individual and team the purpose becomes very clear is actually when you're in your hardest times that you come back to your purpose i know in my organization we went through some some very big challenges 
and we came back to our purpose and hung on to that and went, right, does this particular decision align with our purpose? No, it doesn't. So that's at a very um, organisational level. Then at a team level, again, your decision-making is actually aligned to your team purpose. Um, and then at an individual level, the same thing. Sorry, we all got very, very serious then, didn't we? <laughs> but I mean, I'm glad you mentioned that, that uh, Lisa. I mean, we definitely, yeah, we had in some that sort of white water in our relationship. But, but since then, you, you made that courageous choice. And, and I think it's been amazing to see you on this, this trajectory that's purpose-driven. And, and I think it, it's your success over the years have demonstrated the power of that. I think it's, yeah, it's been wonderful to see. So, Lucy, it's, it's been so interesting. There's lots of goodies there. But how is there any way of sort of what, what would you leave us with? What thought would you, um, would you leave our, our lovely listener with? I think there, there are probably two things. One is know yourself, know who you are, know who you bring to the conversation. And the second thing is arm yourself with that toolkit. Uh, know, know some key leadership tools that you can, you can take. Uh, but I really do think... Um, I, I think it's best summarised actually by a quick story, if you don't mind, if you can indulge, if I can indulge myself Ooh, in telling a quick we like story. A story. So this is the story of two wolves, and and people listening may have heard this one, but basically it's about an old Cherokee, and he's teaching his grandson about life, and he says to his boy, uh, or to his grandson, a, a fight is going on inside me. It's a terrible fight. It's between two wolves. One is evil. He's anger. Envy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority and ego. He continued on. The other is good. He is joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion and faith. The same fight is going on inside you and inside every other person too. The grandson thought about it for a minute and then he asked his grandfather, Granddad, which wolf will win? And the old Cherokee simply replied, the one you feed. That doesn't have a terrible end to it, that he fed his grandson to the wolf or something like that. No. <laughs> and then no. they ate the granddad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there we go. Oh, it's such now, a powerful I, fable. <laughs> it is. No, Thank you for um, ruining it. Actually... Uh, actually, I mean, I've had, I've had that fable told to me recently. I mean, it, it is... Um, we can undermine ourselves by feeding that wrong wolf and you need to have that internal compass to come back to. What, what am I trying to achieve? What's this all about? Knowing that asking the right questions and the way of enabling others is, is a good way to achieve that impact. Absolutely, Piet. I think just a, a very simple, you know, I, I have this with my husband. He will be having a conversation and he'll just say to me, which wolf are you feeding? And it, it's a wonderful le it will leveler for me of like, you're right, I'm choosing, I'm, I'm feeding the wrong one. And it, it just gets me back out of my stink or my funk or whatever it is and back to feeding the right one. And you're very brave enabling your husband to give you feedback. That's, that's, that's very brave too. Oh, then I put him in the doghouse for the next six weeks. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> then I ate him. <laughs> wow. Loose busted a whole bunch of myths around leadership i think in that uh, in that interview didn't you think dan yeah i just i thought the way that she's so mindful about those things but um the, the her approach to leading teams but there were some real surprises in there for me it was around sometimes we believe that the leader needs to know everything 
and that they need to be the expert either technically or strategically. And I think what Luce really articulated was the ability to ask the right questions, build out that collective knowledge. And that, that is the act of leadership, not, not telling. But also, I guess, there's moments of loneliness in that leadership position. So having that groundedness of the heart, maybe is a way of putting it, around understanding your internal compass. She called it a purpose. You know, I, th- I think that's also really important. But hey, purpose is <laughs> about love and peace and mung beans has a lot of meaning to it. So perhaps we need to unpack that a little bit so that we understand it. Well, I, look, I, 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 you can have that sort of ring of knitting your own yogurt can't it but um but i I do think in that she talked about purpose vision and values i think vision is reasonably clear although you know about your goal she talked about three years ahead five years ahead keeping that reasonably sufficiently open not necessarily i'm going to be in this role but actually the way she described i thought was great and the values of course you're underlying your principles and your beliefs purpose is a bit more tricky but if, if you like the vision is the what the values are how you're going to behave, but the purpose is the why. So it's to me, I always think of it almost like a journey that you've got this vision that's a place on the horizon you're going to go to somewhere on the landscape. But your purpose is actually the star that you're going towards. It's it really is your meaning, your reason for existence. I think the tricky bit is that we often don't ask ourselves why I'm here on Earth. We just are and we just get on with our, our business. But you know, the way Lucy sort of stated that her goal was to be, her purpose was to be a pioneer is a really great example of really encapsulating why you're here and therefore the role that you can play in your teams and the families and the people around and the groups of people around you. Because I guess the legacy of your purpose is the impact that you create for others around you. It isn't about a rank, title or position. It inevitably is about what you've created for others or the impact that you've had so that that's why it is sometimes that wrong wolf can tell us oh god no I don't you know I'm, my job isn't important enough I don't need to think about these things and, and you diminish yourself yes absolutely what a purpose does it it gives you it, it really stokes the fire of of doing something pretty amazing in your life and leaving the positive legacy and an impact for what you do. Indeed, and a constant direction. I must say those wolves really struck me. I've heard the parable before, but the way Lucy told it, it sort of brought it back to me. But my reflection was that actually one of those wolves, the less positive wolf, is more greedy or um, at least is more aggressive about getting the food. So I, I think we are often in danger of overfeeding that wolf. And your, um, yeah, and your purpose can help you to keep on track for that. The other element, of course, Lucy talked about that was interesting was this sort of head end of things. Again, busting some myths about leadership, which is often framed as a, um, you know, just something mystical. You're born with these traits. and oh, well, sort of, most of us are, uh, are never going to achieve anything then. Born, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, born or bred. I th- I'm surely that one has been put to bed. We'd surely. hope it has, but it's amazing on LinkedIn how much the memes and the, the all the clickbait is sort of, in a way, fueling some of this again to say you've got these traits. Whereas actually what Lucy's saying is there is a toolkit. There are some things you can do pull out of your bag and ask certain questions um, and you'll get more done and uh, as you say distribute that leadership in in the team. I think it's really powerful for all of us 
to do a little bit of soul searching, but also the leadership is not easy, but there are some simple questions and simple conditions that you can create. So I think that creates a whole different way of seeing how you can really impact the people in your team and around you. And they're just some simple practices. So exciting. Now, uh, next week, we have Owen Finnegan joining us. And um, Owen is renowned as an ex-Wallaby rugby union player. And he's also the CEO of the Kids Cancer Project. And we are extremely honoured to have him on the programme to give us that perspective of from the sports field to the business, what some of the common traits and, and what's he learnt along that journey. So really look forward to speaking with him soon. Yeah, I can't wait to, to meet him and have that conversation. So that's it for this episode. You can find show notes and resources at squadify.net. Just click on the We Not Me podcast link. If you've enjoyed the show, please do share the love and recommend it to your friends. We Not Me is produced by Mark Stedman of Origin. Thank you so much for listening. It's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. 